Hello, everybody. This is a Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. I hope you've been doing great. Before we begin talking about my quasi-exercise addiction, I want to mention to you a couple of things. Uh, We do have two other podcasts in the Naturopathic Earth series. We have NPE Radio, which is the flagship. Appreciate it if you go listen to that. I just recently published an episode on radioactive granite countertops, as well as five reasons you should hire a health coach. And I also published an episode about the effects of the oral contraceptives on the human body and some other things. So I would appreciate if you go check those out. And the other one is Kate's Apothecary, a beginner's guide to aromatherapy. If you'd like to go learn more about the essential oils, by all means, go check that out on iTunes or it's Apple Podcasts. I guess everybody still calls it iTunes, but officially it's Apple Podcasts. So now we're in September. The NFL season has started, and I really haven't talked about sports too much. I think I mentioned it maybe in the Lumbering Athlete, but I, I do like soccer, and soccer has begun. But I also like football, I like pro football. I've never been a big fan of a college game. I think it's because I went to a small Catholic university, and so since I didn't go to a large state school where you are inculcated into the into the worship of the you know the, the football team, like down here in Texas, it's A and M and UT. Uh, I didn't really keep up with the college game, but I do like the Texans because I am from Houston, of course, and they are pretty bad this year. But I do want to mention fantasy football. I have been playing fantasy football for about 17 years now, 17 years, and I've been a commissioner for one of the leagues for about 16 years. And fantasy football is great, but it it does have a dark side to it. I think it it possibly has a very, very bad dark side, kind of like gaming, video gaming. So with fantasy football, if you don't know how it works, it's you essentially draft real NFL players onto your team, and you have a bunch of people that you play with, and each week you play a different person, and you pick a starting quarterback, a couple running backs, a couple wide receivers from your team, and then based on how they do, you get points, and if you get more points than your opponent for that week, you win. So it's fun in that it brings emphasis to all NFL games because let's say beforehand, I'd only really care about the Texans, and the Texans are pretty abysmally boring to watch as it is. But uh, now you you watch the games that your players are in, and then you might even keep track of the of the games that your opponent's players are in, right? Because you don't want them to do well. And so it's brought added emphasis to other games, and you do learn about football, and you learn about strategy and coaching styles and game scripts and all these things like that, which is pretty boring for most people. Uh, so that part is good. I think the part that's bad is that you can really get sucked into it, and I think it is a quasi-form of gambling. I used to tell people who wanted to play, if I was trying to get them in, that it's like a, like a long-term investment, right? You put down some money at the beginning, and hey, you might get more back. Now, I've never been in a league where the entry fee is high at all. $50 is the most. Now, I know leagues, and I think most of you know leagues, that's it's dollars $200, $400, $1,000. It's crazy. But to each his own. I think that the greater threat is daily fantasy. This is the ones where you, you use um, FanDuel, for example, those websites, and you you bet money. And it's on week week to week, you create you know your your own fantasy team each week, and then week to week, you see how you do against other players around the, the world. That is gambling, and uh, I could see people falling into gambling. And you know, we've talked about. Uh, addiction issues and how, you know, it's really, you know, pick your poison. Some pick food, like I did. Some pick alcohol. 
Some pick shopping, and some people, in particular men, pick online gambling, like online poker. So that is a problem, and it can also can affect uh, marriages, you know, just like gaming does. If you're married to a gaming addict who's playing video games as soon as they get home into wee hours of the night, uh, fantasy can do that too, especially if they're in a lot of leagues and you know you're, you're spending a lot of money. But I don't, I don't think it destroys marriages as much as let's say porn does or or gaming. And it's also fun in that, in that, like, for example, this year, Kate's playing fantasy football for the first time. So it's kind of interesting to see it through a newbie's point of view. And uh, so that that's exciting because now you have somebody to watch it with if you don't have the opportunity to, to hang out with your guys. So anyways, I wanted to talk about that because, you know, I like to talk about a little something off the side. So today we're going to talk about exercise addiction or the... The prison, the exercise prison, if I like to call it. And the reason I've mentioned this is now we're talking about adult me. We're talking about adult Albert. And I'm just talking about some vestiges or some remnants that I have from being overweight. And I've talked about how it's undermined my ability to have relationships to a certain extent. And then we're going to talk about uh, today, we're going to talk about the, the prison that is exercise. And then the next episode, we'll talk about more of just my eating choices. And I thought it was important to talk about this because I've I've been working out now since nineteen ninety, so twenty seven years of working out from anywhere to minimum three times a week to seven times a week for twenty seven years, twenty seven years, and like with all good things, you know if if you have those tendencies it starts out for good reasons right so at the beginning i'm overweight i start going to that gym where i'm on the stairmaster and if this is new to you go to how did i lose my weight and i love the stairmaster and it's all sweaty i got my clunky walkman and i'm just doing 50 minute workouts and it always comes out according according to the machine for 5 miles but i've learned in my 25 years plus of working out on cardio machines don't ever trust the caloric expenditure that it shows on the uh, on the machine because half the time it's it's adjusted to make you think like you're burning less calories and also how are they how are they really supposed to know sure you put in your age and your weight uh, but it's just kind of an estimation. So don't get off of it thinking after 15 minutes of the elliptical at a, at a two speed that you've burned 400 calories because I hate to break this to you, but you haven't. So, but anyway, so it started out for a good reason because I'm wanting to lose weight, right? And then you lose your weight and then you're like, oh damn, then the paranoia and fear of weight maintenance kicks in, which if any of you guys have reached this point, is probably more fearful than the weight loss part. Because in the weight loss part, you're like, oh, God, I hope I keep losing weight. I hope I don't plateau, which is common. I hope I don't plateau. And then if and when you reach your goal, you're like, oh, my God, I did it. You're happy for except for for a moment. And then people go down either two roads. And this is just like with dieting, like with the 21-day fix and, and the, the cayenne juice, the, the cayenne diet and all these, the cookie diet, is that there's two different types of people. There's the, There's a type of people that do the diet and lose the weight. And as soon as they lose the weight, they go back to eating what they ate before and inevitably they're probably going to gain weight. Or you have the people who've lost the weight and then they radically change their... Oh, actually there's three. They radically change their diet and then they keep exercising here and there. And um, that's a good way to do it. And then you have the other ones, which is probably the group that I fell into where... Uh, you you lose the weight and then you just do chronic cardio, but you still eat the, the the trashy junk food because you don't really know how to eat 
well. You never developed a healthy relationship with food. So I think I was in that third road. And I think a lot of people, I think the majority of people fall in the first or third group. I don't think a lot of people are like, oh, I lost my weight. Now I'm just going to eat, you know, clean meat and vegetables all the rest of my life. No, people, it's like, I, I, I don't know what it'd be tantamount to, but it's hard to, to do, have a certain paradigm of, of, of a certain activity, like eating your whole life. And then even though you've lost weight and you know that you should eat a certain way, that you stick to that. Most of the time you just try to, hedge your bets. You try to hedge your bets and you're like, well, let's see, let's see if I, how many times I can still go to Dairy Queen. And if I'm doing chronic cardio and I'm young, maybe my metabolism will, will keep this off. And if not, I'll just work out more. And so for like 25, I'd say about 20 to 25 years, and even to a certain extent now, that's kind of been my modus operandi, is that I use the exercise as almost like a, a non- purging form of bulimia. Now, bulimia, as you know, is binging followed by purging. And the typical purging is characterized by vomiting, right? But there's other ways to purge laxatives, diuretics, eh, excessive exercise. So I've never done the first two, but and I've really never done excessive exercise. I've never been the type of person, and I know there's people who do this, who work out two, three times a day doing a cardio. I mean, you hear about guys who lift a couple times a day because they're doing different body parts. And I've seen people, in particular women, uh, go to the gym twice a day, you know, and, and you see these people and you know that they have an issue. But you can't necessarily blame them because, again, they just lost their weight, assuming they, they had lost their weight. And the fear is overwhelming and petrifying that you are going to gain your weight back. So this is what happened in my college years, if you, if you listen to college dysfunction, is that I just worked out pretty much every day and I would go running five miles a day. And then in college, I would essentially... Um, starve myself during the week and just eat Weight Watcher one gram of fat entrees. Because back then, of course, it was fat is bad, right? So low fat, high carb, high grain. And then I would um, I would just essentially binge eat on the weekend. Well, that morphed later, if you listen to my one about food is my mistress, later in my life, that kind of morphed into uh, I stopped doing the starving binging mode because I stopped weighing myself. And I, I think that's a great tip for any of you who've just lost your weight because you can get so fixated, especially if you kind of have that that OCD control freak kind of personality that, that, that some people do, including myself, that you get obsessed with the scale. So I think it's really smart that you stop weighing yourself daily. I would honestly probably weigh myself weekly, even if that much. I have not weighed myself since Labor Day of 2015. 2015. Yeah. So what happened was um, I would keep eating junk food, as I mentioned, in the food is my mistress and just keep eating, especially in the car, because at that point I didn't want my fiance, now now my ex-wife, to find out about it. So you ate in the car. Now, I don't really eat in the car anymore, but I still exercise. And that's the point of this episode is that back then and even now, if you ever missed a day of exercise, you would panic. You would panic. And it essentially exercise and working out and going to the gym. I'm going to the gym was like the most important thing behind you know, going to class and then later in your life working. It's like nothing was more important than going to the gym. And why? Well, one, maybe you're not eating well, and so you feel like you have to burn it off, right? Calorie in, calorie out. That's the whole belief behind calorie in, calorie out. Is that you eat a bunch of crap and then you got to burn it off. Also, it's like a, a safety valve. It's either a mental safety valve or like after you work out, you feel better. 
you feel better. Part of that is just the endorphins and the dopamine, but you feel a little more relieved, like, but then that kicks into that, that uh, feedback cycle where after you work out, you're like, Ooh, I just worked out. Now I can eat better. Now I can eat more. And I mentioned this in the the episode on naturopathic radio on the five reasons you should hire a a health coach, which is my most recent episode. And I talk about how exercise, there's a lot of studies that show this. And I remember Time Magazine had an article about this, how exercise actually makes you gain weight on one level because on the, on the, on the physical level or physiological level, after you work out, you've expended calories. So your, your, your hunger does increase unless you're fasted adapted or, or fat adapted, keto adapted. And so you go home and you're hungry and so you might overeat. And then even more this, I think revealing is the mental aspect. So you work out and you're like, well, I just worked out. So now I can splurge a little. And then you end up overeating and you end up eating more in calories than had you not worked out at all, plus the calories burned in exercising. So the, the, these are major problems. But throughout my adulthood, I had to exercise every day. And when I didn't exercise, I would be very, very agitated and get panicky. And then you start catastrophizing, or at least I did. It's like, well, I didn't work out today. If I don't work out tomorrow, I don't work out this week, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to gain five pounds. It's like, and then I'm going to gain 10 pounds. And then I'm going to gain 15. It's like the domino theory in the Vietnam War, right? That was the argument that, that McNamara and Johnson used. It's like, well, Vietnam falls to the communists, then Laos will fall. And if Laos falls, uh, Cambodia will fall. And if Cambodia falls, India will fall. And if India falls, you know, Sri Lanka will fall. And then if Sri Lanka falls, Bhutan will fall. And then it's communism all over the world. So you kind of have that, that mentality. And so I, I see even now, even now, well, let, let's go back. Let's, let's continue talking about in my 20s and 30s. So there were times where I wouldn't be able to work out, let's say, after work. And so I would wake up early in the morning. And I think a lot of you can relate to this, right? You set your alarm at 4.30 or 5 a.m. and you're barely awake. It's freezing outside. And you go run because you got you to get your workout, right? If I can't do it in the afternoon, I got to do it at 5 a.m. And so, of course, the studies all show that you, if you're cutting your sleep for exercises, you're actually worsening your, your ability to keep your weight off. Nothing is more important than sleep. You got to do your seven to nine hours. And everybody's sleep pattern is different. So some of you naturally wake up at five. And if you're going to sleep at 10, you know, you're getting seven hours. But some of you burn the, the midnight oil and you go to sleep at two and you're like, I got to wake up at five. I got to do my workout. So I did that maybe seven, eight years ago, and I don't do that now. And I mentioned in Food is My Mistress that I took up walking, night walking, and it was partly or ostensibly because it's like, well, it's relaxing, it's a nice biohack, and it helps you sleep. But it really stemmed from I felt like I ate too much. So like as I mentioned, I'd work out typically in the afternoon after school or after work, and then you work out and then you eat a big dinner and you're like, oh my God, I just like I just nullified all the quote unquote gains I just did, the workout gains by working out. So I have to go walk and see if I can burn more calories. And so then you kind of develop it in, in, in a way, you spin it in a way where you like it. And I like night walking. It's nice, but it's gone so ritualized now that if I don't go night walking, I feel agitated. I feel agitated. And so the night walking stemmed from from overeating at dinner. And so that's how it was for, I don't know, 15 years, right? You work out, you do your chronic cardio, calorie in, calorie out. You try to do your little biohacks, like drink a lot of water. And then at night, then you do your, your night walk. So let's take a quick break and let's go over to... 
uh, what I do now and why exercise is a prison. Okay, so let's talk about now. I think now, just with some introspection and retrospection, given that I've been doing this Confessions of an Obese Child series for about nine months and I've gotten feedback from you guys, do I realize that I am a prisoner to exercise? And even though I'm not doing the seven-day workout, see, when I was in college, I'd literally have a calendar because, again, that was right after my weight loss. Now I was just paranoid about gaining it. I'd have a calendar and I'd be proud. I'd be like, I've worked out 27 days in a row. And back then, guys, I wasn't lifting at all. So I did look like the cat in the hat, like my ex-wife used to call me, where I was like really bony everywhere, but I still had a pouch because of that flappy skin in the front, the bloopy. And so when I worked out 27 days in a row, it was like I ran five miles 27 days in a row. And back then I took pride in it. But as I got older, I stopped working out as much. I became like five days a week. Maybe I wouldn't do it on Sunday. Or another day because of some obligation. But on those days I didn't work out, I get real fidgety. And now it's to the point where I probably work out uh, maybe four times a week. Four times a week. And in about the last two years now, I've been incorporating some lifting. And I hate lifting. I And I, and I really don't do like like free free weights, like like the bench press and, and the squats. I'm not a fan of the squats. I do the machines that kind of simulate um, a bench press and, and those kind of machines, the, the ones that the women essentially use and other guys who don't feel comfortable actually using real weights. Cause I'm, I'm kind of nervous and I'm an extrovert in a lot of ways, but I'm kind of nervous walking up to a dude and speak, Hey, can you spot me? Because then I think they're judging me by, by the weight that I'm lifting. All right. And then you don't want to do it by yourself because if it's too heavy and you can't lift it up, then you see like the classic comedy scene where the weight just starts falling off on you or you're, you're strangling yourself. And so, you know, I, I don't necessarily do that, but I have been, I have been lifting more weights the last uh, two years. And so typically what I do is like one day I'll do my weights and I try to do them within 30 minutes and really I only do like four machines. And then I'll do like a 15-minute cardio, 20-minute cardio on that day. And then the, the next day, I'll just do all cardio because I want to rest. Now, I don't lift my lower body. I just lift the same four machines for the last two years. It's kind of like a chest exercise, like a bench press, a fake ben, ben, bench press machine. So I think, okay, I have, to, I have to let my muscles heal. But then I listen to Mark Sisson, and Sisson says you should do all your, your lifting you know, very fast. Don't do those three-hour gym routines where you're lifting for three hours and taking your time and checking your phone on. It's like just start lifting and 30 minutes later, get all your lifting done. Just push the body really hard. So then I lift, I, I lift every other day. So like, so let's say Monday I lift and do short cardio. And then on Tuesday I'll do the longer cardio, which is 30 minutes. And then Wednesday I'll do the short and the lift, uh, the lift and the short cardio. And then Thursday I normally don't work out because I, that's the day I have my kids. And then Friday I'll do a cardio. And then Saturday, depending if it's the weekend I have my kids or not, I, if it's not, then I'll do some running. And if it is the weekend I have my kids, I don't lift. So I might lift only twice a week. So it is, it is an improvement for me to go from seven days a week to being okay with doing three days a week of working out. And I think in my mind, the way that I kind of rationalize that is that I'm not, I'm, I'm fasting every day. So it's kind of like a back, a convenient backup, um, um, kind of safety valve or uh, like, well, I know I didn't work out, but at least I'm fasting. So I guess I'm working out that way. My body's burning fat. You know, you rationalize. It's just amazing what your mind rationalizes. And then you look back later, years later and you're like, man, 
I was really, that was all BS. I was totally rationalizing any, any behavior or action that you do. So that's what I do now. But, but here's the issue. And this is why I call it my, my exercise prison is like, I, there's a lot of other things I like to do. Like, you know, I'm a teacher, of course, and there's a lot of school activities that I'm involved in, quote unquote, involved in, but I pass them up because I feel like I have to work out. So I pay part of me is like, well, I can't, heaven forbid, go a week without working out. And luckily, knock on wood, I have never sustained a major injury in the 27 years I've been doing chronic cardio. Never. I mean, there's been times maybe where uh, my calf hurt or my quad hurt for like four days and I would not work out. And I think the longest I never worked out was maybe a week when I went to Europe on one of the times I went to Europe in my 20s. But there's never been a sustained time where I wasn't doing cardio. And I've been very lucky. And I think that's one of the reasons I've lost my weight. Because for the first 20 years of my weight loss, I was doing calorie in, calorie out. And had I had a major injury, let's say I was in a car accident and I couldn't walk, I would definitely have gained all my weight back because I was still eating crap. And and would I have had the the restraint to radically change my diet? Probably not. Probably not. So I, I have been very blessed in that regard. But now since I'm only working out about three times a week, uh, it's like if, if it's Monday and someone's like, hey, you want to go have a drink after after work or hey, you want to do this or hey, there's an extracurricular thing you should do. I'm like, I say like, no, I can't. I can't do it. You know, and I'll, I'll make an excuse because I have to work out. And then lots of times I'll go to the gym. And by the time I go to the gym, I have like no energy I have no energy, so I'll try to lift, and then I'll try to get, row or get on the elliptical or run. I do it for like 10 minutes. I'm exhausted, and then I go sit in the steam room because I like the steam room. And I'm like, well, why did I even work out today? You know, because I know like Sisson and other people are like, if you're not feeling it, don't work out. You know, if you're not feeling the energy on it, don't do it because it's a waste of time. Do it the next day. But I'm like, I, I'm such a routine freak because I, I, do, have, I do exhibit some... Uh, tendencies of OCD and control. And I think that is pretty normal for people who used to be overweight because uh, you have to control your environment, right? You didn't control your food intake. And so now after you've lost your weight, you have to be able to control something. And so you have to have a really ritualized routine. And I have a very ritualized day, unfortunately. And, and, and I attribute that a lot to, to just the, what happened to me as a child. So there's a lot. It's there, there's a lot of times where it's like I, I don't want to work out, but I feel like I have to work out. I feel like I have to work out, and then I work out, and then I feel a little better, especially if I've steamed. But then I'm dehydrated because I went to the steam room or because I sweat a lot, and then I probably don't eat as good of a dinner because I have that mental kind of flub up where I think, well, I just worked out, so I'll eat better, and then I go for a walk, and then night walks the same thing. I probably take a night walk 320 days out of the year. And the only time I don't go is when it's raining. But believe it or not, guys, I mean, this is how bad it is. I've taken night walks. And I normally do my night walks around 8.30 to 10. And they used to be longer. I used to do like an hour night walk. And now maybe they're, they're 30 minutes at the most. I used to do it in the rain. I would just not, I don't even have a raincoat. I don't think I've ever owned a raincoat in my life. But I would just go out in the rain, maybe wear a sweater if it was cold, and just walk in the rain. I, I didn't even use an umbrella. And I'd be like, well, it's just rain. It's not acid. What's the big deal of getting wet? But again, even in the night walk, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm passing up to do the night walk. I could be spending time with somebody. I could be uh, grading papers or grading tests. I could be cleaning the house. I could be working on my website. I could be doing something very constructive with my time, playing with my kids. Now, normally the kids are asleep. I don't take a walk when they're awake. 
But no, I, I go for a night walk. And so I rationalize. So when I'm walking at night, I'm listening to my podcast. I'm like, this is nice. I get to walk. But most of me is just relieved. Like, thank God I'm walking. And I, I, I have the wherewithal to notice that it is an, a prison because I have to work out. And even though my workouts are not nearly as intensive as they used to be 20 years ago, when I was running five miles and, and, and it's much lighter and, and than, than it used to be. And it's probably better because I, I, I don't know, I'm 43 now. I don't think I could be handling the, the five days a week of, of running five miles a day. I think my body would, would tear down. But two summers ago, in the summer of 2015, I was really upset with myself. And so I, I, in the summer, I ran every day five miles. And I did it kind of as like of an atonement. But my body held up there, so I don't know. Maybe I could do, go back to running five miles a day, but like part of me doesn't want to do it anymore. I'm like, I don't want to run five miles a day. That's just too much. That's chronic cardio. You're releasing cortisol, and it's not good for you. But I realized it's like I have to work out. And so even though, I let's say, I have to go pick up my, chi- my children or I have like an extracurricular event, I'll skip these things or delay these things because i got to get in my workout. Or at night, it's the same thing. I have to get in my night walk. Oh, let's go do that. No, I have to do my night walk. And, and I could see how it's frustrating to people in my life when I have to do these things. Because part of me thinks I have to do it. And it's like, hey, I lost 100 pounds over 25 years ago. And, and even at 43, you're still worried that you're going to gain it back. And I know there's going to be a time that even if I eat well and fast and blah, 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 that I am going to gain my weight back. I mean, I'm not going to be somewhat slender at 70. I, I seriously doubt it. So I know I'm going to gain it back. And I, in my mind, I'm like, well, I just don't want to gain it back in my 20s or 30s because it's going to limit my my dating ability or whatever, my, my, my attractiveness ability. And then when you get in your 40s, you really shouldn't think that anymore. And I'm not saying this is a time for me just to let go and not work out at all. But I wonder, it's like, okay, what happens if I stop working out and I just fast and try to eat the best that I can? Would I gain weight? Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know, but I'm not willing to take that chance unless I have a major injury that pushes me out of the game. It's almost like a football player, right? I'm going to play with concussions. And unless I get pushed out of the game completely, I'm going to keep doing it. But I realize that this chronic cardio, even now at 43, is bad for me. And I realize, I think, how many days or if not years of my life have been quote-unquote wasted doing workouts. If you take into account the driving, the hour, hour and a half that I'm at the gym, that 30 minutes of driving back home, that's two hours a day maybe, hour and a half, two hours a day, three, four times a week. Back then it was seven times a week. And then you count the night walks, 30 minutes to an hour, pretty much every day of my life. You add that up, that's that's about three hours out of my, what, 12-hour awake day, 18-hour, 16-hour awake day. Three hours of it is devoted to working out. Now, I know that, you know, the studies will say sitting is the new smoking, right? We can't live a sedentary lifetime, lifestyle. So they'll say, move, be moving, be walking, if it's hiking, if it's gardening, be walking. And so I kind of I, I kind of know it's good that I'm moving the body. But at the same time, it's like I am, it's like a tractor beam in the original Star Wars, you know, when, when the Millennium Falcon is, is hooked in the tractor beam. It's like I can't stop. I can't stop. And I don't know if I want to stop because I'm so fearful that I'm going to gain my, my weight. So I see it as a prison. And I just think, okay, so if you add these three hours a day for 25 years, that, that's that's days, if not maybe even a year, if you add it all up, of devoting to exercise, to exercise. And for what? 
for what? You know, life is short. I, I should be devoting that time to either hanging out with friends or doing something perhaps that's better. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe just like with the stocky son, you know, maybe I'm totally off on this. And maybe it is good that I do night walks and I work out. But I just feel like I always have to have an excuse. And if there's nothing else going on on a particular day or time, then yeah, I'll go work out because I need to relieve that stress, you know, that I still have when I was 17. Like, oh, if I don't work out, you know, it's the end of the world. But on, on days where I have something to do, I will skip that thing to keep working out. And I realize that that's probably not the best. And so I'm just a little wistful of how much of my life have I wasted doing the, this working out. But at the same time, I, I know I'm not going to stop unless I have an injury. So I would appreciate your, your feedback on this to see if other people have this issue. And I know it's not just people who have been formerly overweight. I mean, I see people at the gym. Unfortunately, I see women that are, I mean, to the bone. I mean, they are clearly having eating disorders, if not anorexic, and they're working out all the time. And so I know people have exercise addictions. There's manorexia, which is kind of like an offspring of uh, lifting addiction. So these guys are at the gym and they're just there all day, right? Drinking their protein shakes and lifting and lifting and lifting and lifting. And you see them, it's like, especially if they're kind of short, you see how they look just so disproportionate, right? They have like normal legs and then they have this really jacked up uh, chest and, and arms. And on one level, they look good, but they look they look bad and that they look disproportionate. So it's not like uh, working out disorders or eating disorders are only uh, in the women area. But the last t- about 15 to 20 years, you've seen the eating disorders and the dot, the body dis, uh, dysmorphic disorders happen in the men too, because I think we're falling to the same issue, right? Where we don't want to gain weight. We're weight obsessed. We look at the media. We see people like Ryan Gosling or Brad Pitt and like, oh, they're in shape. I need to be in shape. I need to be in shape too. So please, I'd appreciate your comments on this. And as always, please post a review for Confessions of an Obese Child. As I mentioned before, we just moved it over to its own link, and so it needs some reviews so I can get onto the the register and the catalog and then affect more people and get to more people because I know there's a lot of people who grew up overweight who uh, dealt with a lot of the same issues I did, either funny or not funny. And I think that this podcast could could help a lot of people. So please uh, spread the word. Until next time, guys, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.